Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. This morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Chapter 8, I want to start reading with verse number 5. The Bible says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and to us by the will of God. Amen. This morning I'd like to uh, teach along this lines: living as a giver. Living as a giver. Hallelujah. Let's pray today. Father, we're thankful, God, for your presence that we have, Lord, felt in this place. Lord, for every song that has went forth, God, the worship of your people. I pray, oh God, that you would help us this morning as we turn our eyes and our attention to your word. God, that we could receive some instruction thereby. And Lord, it would help, Lord, guide our lives. Lord, and in addition to that, Lord, there would be, Jesus, something sown back into our lives as a result, God, of our involvement. Lord, I'll thank you and I'll praise you, Jesus, for you accomplished, Lord, through this today. In Jesus' name that I pray, amen, amen. Everybody say amen. amen. Shake a neighbor's hand before you're seated today. Amen. Shake a neighbor's hand before you're seated. Hallelujah. In the house of the Lord. Living, living as a giver. Living as a giver. According to the survey, so where does our church money go? reported in Christianity Today International in 2003. They say 84% of respondents cited the occasional sermon on giving as the main method of encouragement to give. 72% said that teaching on the practice of tithing motivated them to give. While 47% said they left it up to the Lord. <laughs> Special programs motivated 35%, making pledges appealed to 34%, and 12% gave for other reasons. In another article entitled, Who Gives Two Cents for Missions? Uh, we Do, To Our Shame, was the title, which appeared in World Magazine October the 22nd, 2005. Gene Edward reported that Christians today give less per capita than they gave during the Great Depression. Not only are members giving less, but churches are also contributing less. They say that of every dollar given to a U.S. Protestant church, the average amount allocated for overseas or what we would call world missions, and this is appropriate because this is that day today, is two cents. That compares to 1920 in which the church gave 10% of the total offering to missions. 
So the church's current, I'm saying just overall, I'm not talking about the local assembly, but the church's current spending practice seems to indicate that there was an increased emphasis, if you will, on each church's internal operations than there was a broader mission of the church overall. Amen. We give a lot of times, I know, I do whenever you start talking I don't know why that's why I hope that we can get past that in a certain level you start talking about money and stuff like that everybody just start man I see you know you start seeing knuckles get turned white because they have a hold of their purses and guys are kind of leaning to one side of, of themselves but uh, we give a lot of times perceivably we give because we, we see that there is a need or we perceive that there's a need and so people sometimes give because there is a need but a lot of times the mindset sometimes I should say not a lot of times but sometimes of givers is that they give because they they desire the blessing that is associated with giving and while that is well and that is fine that should not be our primary should not be our primary reason for giving there is a divine principle written in scripture that the giver is in turn going to be blessed in some measure, give and it shall, the scripture said, be given to you. So there is a principle there. There is a law. But the motive for our giving should not be based solely upon that principle and that law. Our motive for giving should not be that. So we understand and it is a blessing uh, to receive through some venue or some area whenever you have given unto the Lord. So it's important to give when we know there's a need. That's important. Uh, uh, that's respectful. I believe that's very respectful. Uh, sometimes we stand up here and just speak even maybe of a human need in our congregation and people give. That's tremendous. That's great. And we give uh, sometimes because we know that blessing is coming around. But a, a, a very simple idea and reason for our giving should be just for the purpose of it being worship it being thanksgiving that we are giving unto the Lord. Part of us giving to God is uh, part of what would categorize us as being a good steward of the blessings that God has given unto us. Uh, in the scripture, in the Bible, when the Lord was writing his parables, uh, particularly in the New Testament scripture, in 13 of the 29 parables of Jesus, he referred to the correct use of, of our possessions that that goes beyond uh, just our money that goes our material things that goes even with our time our time is a possession amen some of us say we don't possess enough of it <laughs> we've all been given the same amount though but but it's another possession so 13 of the 29 times bishop the lord was trying to tell the people how to correctly how to correctly utilize their possessions he talked about this idea of coveting and he talked about the idea of giving because whenever you covet you a covet is a desire for more possessions possessions for the purpose of pleasing yourself coveting is but giving whenever he's talking about the idea of giving he wants the people that their accumulation and their amassing of possessions whether it be money or things or even their time that they needed to decide not just to bring those things into their life, accumulate and amass them for themselves. And I touched on this last Wednesday. Maybe this is what sparked me in this direction. But to use it for the purpose of giving and contributing to others, or even, if you will, contributing to the body of Christ. Amen. And the Apostle Paul was touching on this in his message to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8. He was given, he was using the Macedonian church as an example of what a giver should be. Yes. 
He was using another group of people of what a giver should be. And so he was talking about Macedonia. Uh, there were a lot of cities within Macedonia. Philippi was one of them. Paul had visited Macedonia. If you remember uh, in the book of Acts chapter 16, Paul was really wanting to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit said, no, you don't go there. And in, during the night, Paul had a dream and a vision of a man from Macedonia that was crying out and praying, saying, come and help us. And so Paul went to Macedonia, more particularly a city in that region by the name of Philippi. That's where Lydia and her household was saved, and there's this great uh, revival then that starts in Macedonia. But here for the Corinthian church, Paul is using Macedonia as what an example of a giver should be. And number one statement then that Paul was speaking to the Corinthian church is this. Number one concerning the Macedonians. They gave themselves first to the Lord. Before any of the, the saints or the people of Macedonia gave of their time, uh, gave of their money, or gave of their earthly possessions, before they gave any of that, the first thing that they did was give themselves. They gave themselves unto the Lord. Look at the scripture, 2 Corinthians 8 and 5. The Bible says, and this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Before they gave anything of themselves, they gave themselves. And so we might back up and begin to deduce with our, our mentality and minds that maybe some of uh, the difficulty or the downfall or the breakdown, even in the liberal giving of people of their things, possessions, and time, might come to a place where they may not have given themselves yet unto and wholeheartedly to the Lord. So there's a natural progression they gave themselves unto the Lord and after they gave themselves to the Lord they could give of their things unto God. Amen. So they, they, and notice, after they gave themselves their giving, after they gave themselves to the Lord, their giving just wasn't to God but it was to others. After first they had given themselves unto the Lord. So we can understand this morning that true giving True giving does begin with a dedication of ourself unto God. And by doing that, when we dedicate ourselves unto God, we open our life, our money, our possessions, our talent, our time for the use of the Lord. Whatever area that he sees to do that. So a Macedonian giver, one of the things is, first of all, they give themselves unto God. Secondly, Paul using them as an example is this, is that the Macedonians seem to be giving with joy. Now the Bible says that God loveth a cheerful giver, but he'll still take money that are begrudging. He'll still take money that's begrudging. <laughs> Amen. It doesn't say he refuses that. It just says that he loves a cheerful giver. But he'll still, he'll still take money from somebody with a frown on their face. So not only did the Macedonian believers give, but it seemed like if you read the scripture that their giving even produced a spirit inside of them of joy in their life. And there seems to be that type of direct connection between giving and joy. I found people that do give honestly, not begrudgingly, but give wholeheartedly, whether it be to a, a, a need, a purpose, a church, whatever, they seem to be pretty happy. 
There is, there is a happiness that just kind of engages as a result of having given and helped in some need or some purpose or propagate something. Whenever you give, there's, just, there's a good feeling. There's a euphoria that happens when it, it... I know it's hard to explain. It's one of those dynamics of God. The last shall be first. The first shall be last type things. Uh, it's just one of those dynamics of God. Who in the world would think that you would be happy about giving something away? But there is. There's a feeling of happiness. There's a feeling of joy whenever you give something away. As a matter of fact, quite on the contrary, it's a false happiness and false joy. People who are selfish and self-absorbed a lot of times, not very or rarely, rarely, should I say, happy people. Because they don't have an attitude of giving. The proper motive of giving. So people who take the time to serve other people, you've seen it, just service sometimes can be a giving. Maybe they, 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 they serve in the aspect of taking care of, of children with handicaps or perhaps the elderly or somebody that's in a crisis. You know, a lot of times you see people that's operating in those aspects that they truly understand the motive behind it all. There's some very happy people. They wouldn't trade their job for your job. Well, what's the deal with that? Because some of their pay comes in, in the line of the joy they receive by giving of themselves for the help and the purpose of someone else. As a matter of fact, uh, on that note, one noted therapist who treats patients suffering from depression gave this therapy to his, his patients of depression. He requires them to serve others as a part of their treatment. They found that its effect is very profound upon their depression. By helping others, it brought joy to their own depressed lives. So that is the Macedonians. They're doing this, the abundance of their joy. Now look, well, if people like this, the Macedonians, are going to give themselves to the Lord, and if they're going to be able to give with joy, it's probably because they're loaded. I mean, if they're giving of their time and they're happy about it, it's probably because they have more time on their hands than what they know to do. Got a secret for you this morning. That was not the case with the Macedonians. The Bible says in verse 2, speaking of the Macedonians, how that in a great trial of affliction, how that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep-seated poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Meaning they were in a time of great trial, a time of great affliction. Things were not necessarily going their way. This doesn't necessarily mean a financial problem, but they were just in a, they were in a situation, they were in affliction, and during this time of affliction... During the time of woe, during the time when everything wasn't going their way, it prompted and birthed in them a greater desire, a greater liberality to give to the brethren and give unto the Lord. And so let's not put the monkey on the wrong back today and say, well, I'll, I'll contribute whenever I'm in a position to contribute and everything's well. No, no, no. The example of the Macedonians that Paul gave says these were people that were in great affliction. And in their great affliction, they had a desire to give unto the handiwork of the Lord. Not during their prosperity, per se, but during their affliction, during their trial. They gave unto the Lord. Their giving didn't come out of their abundance per se. It came out of their difficult times. Now, their difficult times. And ironically, they sent money to a needy fellow Christians in Jerusalem. 
during this time. And here they are suffering themselves. Yet they gave. And Paul even seems to, in verse number four, Paul is even seeming to pray in us with much entreaty that we should receive the gift. You know how it is. Here, 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 here was the, the, the prime picture of the Macedonians. Whatever it was that they were given, it was mostly financially for this purpose. But here are the Macedonians. Man, they're, you know, Paul's right there and they're saying, here, I want you to give this to the church at Jerusalem. Paul knows where they're at. He knows all the anxiety and trouble yeah. and stuff they're going through. You know what Paul's doing over here? He says, oh, no, you, you need to keep, you know how. No, you need to keep that. You, and they said, no, you take that. And he said, pray in us, look at it. He said, pray in us with much entreaty that we should receive the gift. No, they said, no, you take that. I don't care what's going on back here right now. I, 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 I'm, my, motive, my motivation isn't for God to turn around and then fix everything that I'm going through. But I'm giving because this, 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 man, God's been so good to the church at Macedonia. God has been so good to us. And this is just a means by which I worship. I entered the tabernacle with my hands raised, but this is just another means. We're all a part of the body. And, and if I have anything, you know, I'm to help the one that lacks. You take that, Paul. Don't you be giving that back. You, you, you take that. I even entreated that they might, no, no, you. You, 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 you take that to the Jerusalem church and you let them be blessed. Amen. Paul even seemingly trying to discourage them a little bit from doing it, but they insisted, go on and do it. In their great trial, they said, go on and do it. So Paul talking to the Corinthian church, he said, we're using the Macedonian church as an example. They gave themselves. They were joyful about it. And they gave during their trial. They gave during their affliction. And here was the motive. Look now. Here was the motive behind their giving. The Bible says in verse number 4, the latter portion, that they would receive the gift and take upon us. So these Macedonian people wanted, Paul says, for us to take upon us the fellowship of ministering to the saints. He said a good example of a, Macedonian giver of a giver is that they would desire to minister to the saints. Their love for God primarily motivated them to have a love for God's people. And, and speaking in terms of financial means, whenever we give here, it does help the local assembly, but as this morning with World Missions, we're helping God's people that is elsewhere besides here. We give for missions, ALJC missions, and the home missionary that's in the state over as for the purpose of a brother or sister that's just a little way from there. God considers the motive. I hope you understand that. God considers the motive of our giving. The Shunammite woman in the Old Testament, the Bible says that there was a man of God that came by her place oft times. She perceived, she told her husband, I perceive that this is a man of God. And what does she do? She builds a chamber onto her house, puts a bed there, candlestick, table, puts all the, the man of God did not ask her to do that. No one asked of her or even demanded or commanded that she would do that. But she's seen, she seen something there. She perceived that that was a man of God. And so she built, she built this, this little chamber on the side. And whenever Elisha came back through, he and his servant Gehazi, they went into that room. And he is overwhelmed by the generosity. He's overwhelmed by the generosity of this woman that he has his, his servant to call her into him and he basically asks him, what would you want me to do for you? You want me to talk to a king? 
You want me to do this for you? And look in Scripture. The woman does not answer the man a word. Because the initial purpose of her building the house was not for the turnaround blessing. I mean, that would have been a really good time. Yeah, speak to the king. And tell the king thus and so. But no. She didn't speak a word. In so much that he even asked Gehazi, what's the deal here? Gehazi says, well, one thing that I know, she don't have a child. He says, okay, we'll bless her. She never asked for that. The adding on her room was not for that purpose, but she gave with no expectation of any return. She gave out of the willingness of her heart. And yet, because of her motive being pure, she received also a great blessing from God. That's based upon the principle of giving. Amen. This lady wasn't looking for that, but she got that. Amen. She got that. And so, the Apostle Paul, he's saying this, this is an ideal, ideal example of a giver. And he's speaking to the Corinthian church there in Corinth who has thousands of people. The city is littered with thousands of people. 200,000 citizens comprised what was known as the free population of Corinth. And there were 500,000 slaves in the city of Corinth. It was a commercial center. There was a lot of buying and selling, both from the land and the sea, that took place right there at Corinth. In other words, there was a lot of revenue that was going on in the city of Corinth. And this was a place that Paul oftentimes wintered there before he departed to Jerusalem for taking those contributions. Uh, that was even from uh, the other people to Jerusalem for the church that was there. And whenever he was going, he wrote a couple of letters uh, to the Corinth church. And in the second, he, it's what he presented to us as the example of the Macedonians being example, example givers. And notice what Paul says even in the very beginning of the scripture. He says, moreover, brethren, the first verse, we do you to wit. Now, that's a little wordy. We do you to wit. Or in other words, we do you to take knowledge or gain knowledge of the grace of God. Bound in the Christian grace of God. In other words, Paul identified that the grace of God is a motivating factor for the Macedonians' giving. Because of the grace that had been extended to them, that somehow prompted in them a spirit to give. I've said it oftentimes. Whenever you have received so much, it makes you want to give. Because what you receive has been because of someone else having gave. And so whenever you have received so much, although it may be from a supernatural realm because we have received so much, it should birth inside of us a spirit and a desire to give because you can only be a recipient if there's a giver. Amen. And so whenever he wrote to the Corinthian church, Paul, in his writing, did a little quote or reference to the Old Testament story in Exodus 16 where God describes the gift of manna that he gave to the people in the Old Testament, to the Israelites in the wilderness. And you remember when that manna first fell on the ground and people are wowed by that and they're asking, what is this? And it, it was manna, what is it? That basically what it meant, what is it? Manna. That whenever it first started to fall, at first people started to go out and gather extra manna in the Old Testament. More than their ration, more than their portion. They started to gather, say, wow, look at all this. You know, and get... 
Honey, bring out here and get your skirt and hold it up by the end and let's throw some manna in. Hallelujah. Let's go. We're not going to be left without them. They start gathering all this manna. But they were disappointed to find out that the extra that they brought in, they would find it infested with maggots, overtaken with, with, with just, just horrible maggots. And any manna that, that was left on the ground basically deteriorated and melted away, so to speak. After everyone had gathered their daily, it came daily, after they gathered their daily ration. And God was making a promise to them through all of that that He was going to supply their every need. But it displeased Him. Look now, it displeased Him when they were out there and were becoming greedy and selfish and trying to gather more than what was allocated to them. Because their gathering wasn't for Oh, Joe that's sick today and couldn't get out to gather the manna. No. <laughs> Their gathering was for me, mine, and oh, snotty-nosed Johnny, and no, no disrespect. <laughs> Man, you just really got to be careful when you throw just names out there, I'm telling you. <laughs> it was for their household and for themselves. God says, uh-uh, no, 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 no. So if you're gathering for self-sufficiency, then we'll, we'll take care of this business. And look what happens. He added the grace. We add the grace of giving. Uh, there is a difference between giving under the law. Under the law, a lot of people thought, well, I must give in order to be accepted by God. I've got to give in order to be accepted by God. Oh, these good works are going to attain me some spot or some position or something in, in the presence of God. You know, that was the Old Testament idea. But whenever you're given under grace, you're, you're not given to find a place in God. You're given because you found a place in God. You're, you're not given to get in good graces with God. You're given because you are in good graces with God. Right. Amen. I'm, I'm not, well, man, if I put $200 in, maybe he'll, he'll give me a good week. No, no, that's not. It's, it's not trying to get in a, in a good place with God. It's as a result of being in a good place with God and you're already receiving a bounty and glory and blessing from God. But, hey, I can't hoard this up. I need a fountain. I need a venue from which some of this can flow. Amen. Not just to me, but through me. Grace is a privilege. Giving is a privilege under grace. Giving is a privilege. We can demonstrate our gratitude toward God through our giving under the umbrella of grace. And then, if Macedonia isn't a well enough example, he threw Christ in there, being an example in giving. Because he said in 2 Corinthians 8 9, and you may not have that up there, sister, I don't know. You do. Okay. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sakes, Corinthian church, he became poor. That ye through his poverty might be He who was rich be, became poor. Lord, how'd you become poor? I gave it all away. <laughs> I gave it away. Who'd you give it to? I gave it to humanity. I seen they were in a poorer condition than what I was going to be after I gave it all away. Whew. And so, 
Through my poverty, I left it so that they might become rich. He left his riches and glory to come in, in the image of, uh, of a son of Abraham as a man in order to save mankind. And he didn't consider himself in that, in what transpired. He wasn't thinking about himself in that. He gave as a result of his love. And it becomes the very foundational core then for our giving as well. Look at 2 Corinthians going on 8 and verse number 10. Paul continues to explain not just the giving of themselves, but the giving even to others. And watch the, 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 the words of Scripture here. And he says, Herein I give my advice. For this is expedient for you who have, listen now, who have begun before. And not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it. What's Paul saying? It's Paul saying, he said, some of you had started before, but you kind of, all right. He said, some of you started in this aspect before, of this giving aspect. He says, but you have drawn back. He says, even a year ago, he said, you purposed and intended. To do this, he's but something, something's happened though. There, there must have been a drawing back because now he's saying, now therefore perform the doing of it. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You don't you went, man, in the, just in the glory of the presence of a service, a good sermon on giving. Bless God, I'm going to, I'm going to, hana, hana, hana. I'm going and we get out the red ink pen and yes, start writing it down, Lord. So we put it forward. And a year goes by. Ten got the ten dollars goes to five dollars. Five dollars goes to two dollars. Two dollars go to one dollar. There's nothing that exists. Paul says, you, you, you have begun before. He said, but now, he said, do the, the therefore perform the doing of it that as there was a readiness to will you were willing then uh-huh you're willing then to separate you know with some of those goods he said so there may be a performance also out of that which ye have for if there be first a willing mind and it's got to take that said first there be a willing mind is acceptable according to that a man hath and not according to he hath not for i mean not that there are other men be eased and ye be burdened but by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want and that their abundance also may be a supply for your want that there may be equality as it is written he that had gathered much had nothing over and he that had gathered little had nothing lack why because both had a spirit of a giver that brought equality an even playing field for all that was involved. Paul was saying, I don't need to urge you to do this. He said, you was going to do this before. You had a willing mind about this before. Amen. He says, if I need a basis for, a basis for prompting this, Christ gave himself to you. And that should be enough then for you to reciprocate and then give means and portions of yourself, talents, abilities, times, financially, unto the Lord and no it's not limited to the wealthy 
And I, I, listen, I say with this all reverence, okay? I say this with, with reverence. There is no excuse in Scripture, and I say this with reverence, nobody misconstrue what I'm about ready to say. There's no excuse for the poor refusing to give. Jesus commended a very poor woman who gave to the temple treasury, which was for her a large amount in proportion to what she had. The Bible says in Mark 12, verse 42, thanks, Sister McGee, and there came a certain poor widow, and she threw in two mites, which make a farthing. And he called unto him his disciples and said to them, Verily I say unto you that this poor widow hath cast more in than all they which have cast into the treasury. For all they did cast in of their abundance. But she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. So what Christ was directing to his disciples and explaining to them is that true sacrifice in giving is proportional to what we have to begin with. You want to hear me today? True sacrifice in giving is proportional to what we have to begin with. All right? Two mites for the widow was a sacrificial gift. Two mites for some of the pomp of the priesthood would not have been the sacrifice. 200 mites. <laughs> May have not been a sacrifice. Sacrifice is absolutely contingent on being proportional to what you had to begin with. Amen? And so while the poor woman could give little, God considered them that, giving. And although poor, amen, a great sacrifice. Number, we also look at another reason. Look, I've already stated it, but there must be a willingness in your motive. Or to general, you must have a willingness to give. Uh, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 8 and 3, notice what he says, beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, the Bible says. The Macedonian people were willing of themselves. In verse 12, he stated again, for if there be first a willing mind, so there must be a willingness to do so. A willingness to share your time and your talent and your ability and hopefully cheerfully Hopefully you do it not because you're pressured, not because you have a guilty conscience, hopefully not because you hope to receive and return, but because you want to bring pleasure unto the Lord, because you're a smiling, cheerful giver. Amen. And the law of the harvest tells me this, that whenever we get involved in this giving aspect, the law of the harvest tells me this, here's the principle again, here are the principles, that it is a return investment whenever you give to the purpose of the Lord. The Bible tells us in Matthew 6 and 4, he says, thy father shall reward thee. It tells us in Luke 6, 38, give and it shall be given unto you. In 2 Corinthians 9 and 6, it says, he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Amen. So again, do not pervert this idea or concept of giving in order to receive or in order to get a return. Uh, prosperity doctrine's false. I'm sorry. 
the message of the age, televangelism. Send in your seed money. Put your hand on the screen. God's going to give you a new Cadillac tomorrow. Escalade's going to come into your will. And Wow! Prosperity doctrine. It's false. Guaranteeing health, guaranteeing wealth as a reward for giving. You've missed it. That principle happens, but not when you go in with that type of motive. Many of the faithful givers in the Bible, sacrificial givers in the Bible, guess what? They were poverty stricken and they had a lot of affliction and suffering, but they were still a giver. Amen. But there is a law in principle of the harvest of sowing and reaping. And if I may just sum them up in a seven short list. We reap only what we have sown. You sow corn, you reap corn. You sow beans, you reap beans. You reap only what you have sown. Number two, we reap the same in kind as we sow. So there we are again. Number three, we reap in a different season than we sow. I'm sure the farmers really love it if they go out there and sow one day and the next day, get the sickle, boys, let's bring it in. And look at the yield for that year. But it don't happen that way. You sow. And sometimes you wring your hands over what you sowed. You worry. Storms come. Circumstance situations make you fearful about, mm. how many times have you ever let go of something about, I shouldn't have done that. I should have kept that for me. Come on. Because what happens? Because the moment you give that money, you know what happens? The washer quits working. The car breaks down. I wish I had that money now to take care of the repairs. But you'll reap in a different season than you sowed. Number four, we reap more than we sow. Put a kernel of corn in the ground and you'll have a stalk come up with ears on it that has several kernels. It multiplies. Oh God, you will reap more than you sow. You'll reap in proportion to what you sow. You sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. Very seldom do you get a 100% yield of what you sow. That's what they say. But if you sow sparingly, you get sparingly. You sow bountifully. You know, if you sow enough in a garden, you'll have enough pride for you and your family. You go out and take an acre and you start sowing, well, you probably have some for your family and then some. It's proportional to what you sow. We reap the full harvest of the good only if you persevere. Mm -hmm. Let me state this. Giving reaping, sowing, principles. Listen to me. Because sometimes I think this is, we predicate things upon this right here. But let me just assure you this. You can't do anything about last year's harvest. You can't do anything about last year's harvest, but we can do something about this year's. Amen. We can do something about this year's. So God has given promise to supply the believer has a desire to give I believe this wholeheartedly when a believer truly has a adulterated good motivated desire to give God will supply a way for them to give 
I spoke earlier, and some people say, well, I've got to wait until I, I reach a certain level of success in order to do that, but that, that, that's inappropriate. They were in affliction, and yet they gave. We've well, got to learn sometimes, spite of and regardless of levels of success per se, just, just need to give. The Bible spoke in Luke 12 and verse 42, Luke 12, 42. And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward of whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household? to give them their portion of meat in due season. Who is that person? Who is that faithful person that, that the Lord can give his things to that he would steward over? And blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. In other words, the husbandman's going to give all of his resources to that faithful servant who's already faithful over the resources he has now. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, if he's faithful and he's diligent and he's a steward, if he's, if he's being a giver in the condition and situation that he's in now, even if that is affliction, if he's doing that, the Lord of the house is going to give him more to be a steward over, more of a giver over, because God is searching to entrust his riches to people who are already faithful over the riches they got. Amen. And a good steward over the riches he's got. And so if we're not faithful, though, with those things, God has a tendency, you know, not to want to necessarily entrust them with that because the entrusting of people with riches is not for themselves, as we've already dug up, but it's for the purpose of others. It's for the purpose of being a piece of conduit. I'm running out of time. So we got to understand that you are at best a steward. You're a steward. You're not an owner. You're a steward. You're a manager. The business doesn't belong to you. You are a steward. What you have, God gave you. The house you live in, the car you drive, the money that comes in each week, the food that's on your table, God gave that to you. He owns that. He made you a steward and a manager over that. And he delegates what he gives who or what to for his purpose, for his use. A wealthy man stepped, went, went shopping with his 16-year-old son. The son saw a new computer system, told his dad he wanted it. The wealthy man said, why, son, that costs $2,000. The son replied, yeah, dad, but we've got the money. To which the dad said, we? Who said anything about we have anything? I know I've got the money, but I know you don't. The son misunderstood the nature of the relationship with his father. God owns it all. But we must be careful how we treat his possessions. And we've all received something in this life that we should be a good steward over. We all have something that we can give back and contribute back to God and to his kingdom. Whenever he was divvying up the talents for the three different servants, given the one five, one two, and another one one, he, the Bible says he gave it according to their several ability. He gave it according to how he knew they would handle it. And so he gave the one five because he knew he had the several ability. He was going to handle it in order to double that and make that ten. And he gave the one two because he knew he was going to handle it well enough. He'd be able to even to double his, but he gave the one one because evidently he was a little... Lack on faith concerning his ability to do something profitable with it. And he went and hit it and the master came back and just had to get back what he even had. And notice what he does then. 
He gives what he had given to him, takes it back, and what's he do? He gives it to the one with ten. God's rewards are the rewards we want. And it all comes by principle. There's twice in Scripture that Paul points out that the labors of God should share in the blessings of God. We're conduits. We're conduits. Here's the Scripture. 1 Corinthians 9, 9. For it is written in the law of Moses... Thou shalt not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Doth God take care for oxen? Here it is, folks. There's an ox. I won't use anybody else, just use myself. Here's the ox. I have something in my mouth right now. Anybody listen by podcast? Thank you very much. There's corn there. The ox had to be used in order to tread out the corn to make it available and useful for mankind. Okay? So here he is. He's treading out the corn. And in doing so, he's making that useful for mankind. But they, don't, they, do, not, they do not muzzle that ox. Because in doing so, while he's treading out the corn, he can eat some of the corn. Now here's where the wrong mentality would come on the ox. Man, I'm being blessed. Look at all this corn that's been given to me. And he's sitting there and he's treading. But whenever the day's ended, he's ate all the corn. And as a result of that, there is no corn for use for anybody else. But we got a fat ox. I've been blessed. Man, I'm being blessed. And we eat up everything that was given to him, not for him alone, but for he and others that the corn was to be treaded out for. An ox that would continue in that vein of eating all the corn he was treading is soon going to become somebody's meal. The purpose was this. Ox, the reason why you even have corn to eat, the owner put that under your feet, not necessarily primarily for you but for somebody else but since it's passing through your working and your laboring I'm going to let you be blessed as a result of you helping bless somebody else and so things come into our life oh look at this great blessing hoard 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 when the master really put that in your life, yes, for you to be blessed, but also for you to use a portion of that and bless something else. Because the primary purpose was not to feed the ox that day. The primary purpose was for the utility that it could feed the other people. And he was just blessed by being a blessing. Uh-huh. greatest reward is from the Lord go and stand with me this morning so the Macedonian example is that it's a group of people that first gave themselves they were joyful when they did it 
They did it, not necessarily at the height of the time, but they did it during a time even when they were afflicted. They had a willingness of mind to do it. One of the most important questions in this life that any of us will ever ask ourselves is this. What will I do with what I have been given? What will I do with what I have been given? Again, with our little last example, if we look through it through the mind frame, well, God's just blessing you. The real, real underscoring thing is this. God's blessing us so that we can bless someone else and we're blessed as a result of that. And it would be, be very good to keep that in our minds because sometimes we get this wrong idea. Well, God's just blessing me because I've done so good. Oh, we're real deserving of a lot of that. This has happened because I've, I've done so good and I've got five stars this week from God on my little chart. A lot of times you're getting what you're getting because God's trying to help bless somebody else through you. He entr- he's entrusting you enough that you're going to handle the state of his affairs well, that it's not going to stop with you, but it's going to go through you. Amen. Let's bow our heads in this place today. Let's live life as a as a giver. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.